This morning, if you would turn over to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Now, this is going to be a little different because you're used to seeing someone stay within a chapter. We're going to look at the last three verses, 16 through 18, of verse or chapter 4. And this is Paul speaking. And it ties right into the first 10 verses of the next chapter. If you don't get these, you really don't get a full picture of what he's talking about. So we're going to start in chapter 4 and move into verse or chapter 5. And we're going to look at when your eyes are on the eternal. When your eyes are on the eternal. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 16 says, and this is kind of the middle of the thought, but I will explain in a moment. It says, for which cause... We faint not, but through our outward man perished. But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man, that spiritual man, is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal. The things we see here are temporal. But the things which are not seen are eternal. Chapter 5 says, For we know that if our earthly house, this flesh, of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. If so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we know that in, for we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not for, uh, not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up in life. Now we, now he hath, uh, now that he that hath wrought us. For the same self thing is God, who also hath given unto us the earnest of the spirit therefore we are always confident knowing this while whilst we are at home in the body we are absent from the lord for we walk by faith not by sight verse 8 says we are confident i say and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the lord wherefore we labor that whether present or absent we may be accepted of him and verse 10 For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Let's pray this morning. Uh, that the Lord would anoint. Lord, I pray that you would anoint the reading of your word and that God, most of all, Holy Spirit, that you would speak, that you would flow, that you would stir, that you would redirect our eyes, God, on things that really matter, things that really make a difference. And God, we realize, God, that Lord, there's coming a day we're going to stand before you and that our eyes be stayed upon you, God, so that we start sowing toward the eternal God and not, Lord, only toward this fleshly life but God that our true affections would be in the heavenlies and that God we would be looking for that day that we stand before you because that's the only thing that's going to matter that day is what have we done for you oh God stir and move and God get a hold of us Lord and have your way in this service in Jesus name amen 
when your eyes, when your eyes are on the eternal, when your eyes are upon the eternal, that's when we get our focus on things that are not of this world. And so you got to, if you look at Paul, what he's going through here, if you look at what his circumstance is and you read this chapter before, you're going to see that he, he is, you can tell his eyes have shifted. His eyes are no longer, he realizes that the end is coming. He knows that his time here on earth is short and he will point back to the fact that Jesus Christ ended up, he died so that you could live. He died so that you live, and because he died, his death is in every Christian's life. We are baptized into his death, but we are also raised into his new life and resurrection as a Christian. And he's saying that he's already so death so that we could live, and in our lives, we need to learn to let things in this world, we need to die to the things in this world, and whether it be our, our body is only temporary. And, and he's suffering some things. This guy's in prison. And he's talking about the, that his loss is their gain. His, his death is life and light to, the, uh, to others in, in our lives. So the enemy, listen, let me tell you something. Everyone, I mean, I think everybody goes through this. We have periods to where we, we worry about this life a little too much. Uh, we focus on the things that we don't want. We don't want this life to pass away. We, we don't want to take an exit strategy too quickly. And I understand that. But what Paul is trying to do is to redirect our attention to say, why are you hanging on to something so powerfully that you're missing out the most important thing and you're clinging to life? And he's encouraging the church. He's saying, hey, my eyes are on something else. My eyes are on the eternal. And he's encouraging them to get their eyes directed where it should be because there's coming a day when the only thing that will matter is what we've sold in eternity. And so Paul is focusing not on this present world. If you read it a little bit, you will see that Paul, his greatest desire, what he really wants, and we all want this, I think everybody in here will say this, we would like, if we're ready, if you're ready, you'll like this. If you're ready, you would like to see the Lord to come back before you die, right? We would like to see him back today. Lord, let us have a good prayer service. Everybody get everything just the way it should be. And then you come back, we'd be all tickled to death. That'd be great. Get all of our family in there, get them all straightened up, get everybody lined out. And then the Lord come back. That's what we want. And that was his ultimate desire. He wanted the Lord to come back. And he still believed he could before he was gone. But he knew if he didn't, things were short for him. And he knew he was getting ready to. But he wasn't depressed. He wasn't tore up. He wasn't because he was saying that more important than anything is for me because if I lay down this life, if this life is over, I have a brand new body in Christ Jesus that is incorruptible and I get to be with the Lord in His presence. And he said, there's nothing better. There's nothing better than that. And so I look forward to that. I'd love him to come back right now. But hey, it's better for me to step on into eternity than to stay where I am. But the best thing's going to be when he comes back and he tells them when I, he comes back and you, the, the, the readers of the, who he's writing to, that me along with the readers that I'm writing to together have our brand new glorified bodies and we're always in the presence of the Lord. We're going to see that completion, that work that God has designed for you will only be completely finished when he comes back and he calls us back and we get our brand new bodies. Oh, what a wonderful thing. And so he's, 
encouraging them to get their eyes on the things eternal. So today we're going to look at a few things. If you really have your eyes taken off, if we kind of get our eyes. Now, I'm not, by the way, I'm not condoning. Hey, let's just, you know, you've heard people said that they're so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. I don't think you can find too many people in that category anymore. <laughs> I don't really don't. I don't think you have to worry about that. The people get so heavenly minded that they've just totally lost track of everything around. That doesn't happen very much. Hey, listen, that's a good problem to have if that's what you got. Most of us need that. We may be too earthly minded to worry well, heavenly good is what's really going on. And so we need to realize that God has got a call in your life. God has got, he's got a moment. He's, he's designed you for a purpose and it's for you to to not be focused only here, but for you to do what he wants you to do here. And that eternal home is what he's called you to. That is your destination. This is not it. This is not it. And so there's things you're going to endure here, but they're only preparing you for that eternal home that he's designed you. And so today there's some things that we need to do if our eyes are on the eternal. Number one, if your eyes are on the eternal, you know what it's going to do? Number one, it changes your focus. The things that you're looking at, the things that's, that you're focusing upon is going to change. In fact, this last verse in that chapter 4 says, in verse 18 says, While we look not at the things which are seen. We, we, don't, we can see, yeah, everyone, we're looking at right now, we're looking at things we can see, right? We looked at this building, we look at each other, we look at these pews, we look at the beautiful trees, we look at our, we get online and we try to see what's in the bank account, we look at all the things that we've accomplished, we go out and look at our fields, we go look at all the things, the nice car we drive and the house that we live in, and we look at all those wonderful things. But do you want, know what the outcome of that is? There's coming a day not one of those things will actually be existent. Everything that we see will pass away. Everything we see will pass away except these souls and the things that we lay on the other side. And he's saying the things that are seen, that's not what I'm looking at. But, but the things which are not seen, the unseen. I'm looking into the heavenlies. I'm looking into the eternal things, the things that's where his heart was longing for is to be in the presence of the Lord and seeing the things that are unseen. For the things which are seen are temporal. The things that we see are everything is going to last for a period of time. If you look over the history of mankind, there's been people that's accomplished so much. There's been people that's laid up so much. They've done great things and we read about their things. But when you look at it now, where is everything? It's all gone on. Things goes on. And we realize that the things of this earth, and it's, that's not to be depressing. We just need, it causes us to redirect our vision, our focus, because we need to realize what's really important is the things in eternity. And it says here, the things that are seen, they are temporal, but the things which are not seen, those spiritual things, your spiritual treasure is eternal. It, it is secure. We see the scripture, one of the scriptures that says that, you know, lay up treasure where moth and rust does not corrupt. It, you can't, you know, our thief does not break in to steal. No one can take it for you. Hey, listen, we've seen a lot of that lately. There's been a whole lot of people's treasure that's been burned down and stolen and ripped from their hands. And people paid the ultimate price to try to hang on to the things that they have tried to accumulate. And they realize that things here is temporary. Things here is never going to last. But the treasure, let me tell you something. There is no group that can break through and steal your eternal reward. It's secure in the things of Jesus Christ. You can count on that. And listen, it'll change your focus when you have your eyes on the heavenlies. It'll do it. Let me tell you something. I had, I had a brother-in-law, my favorite brother-in-law. 
And I shouldn't say that because I still have several that might be watching. He was, he was, but he was, I guess they probably know it. He, we were really close. I knew him uh, since I first got married. He was, even when I wasn't living right, he was praying for me to marry his sister and because he knew dad. And he knew that if I got married his sister, the Lord would work in my life and get me back where I needed to be. And there'd be two preachers in the family. He knew that. He knew that. He's praying, oh, Lord. He, he seen me dating his sister. Oh, Lord, you need to bring that to pass. And, then, and he told me later how he'd been praying. And so we, we, had, we had this uh, pretty good relationship. We liked to travel together and do things. We had, he would come to morning prayer service with me. We'd go out to eat together. And we just did a lot of we, you know We kidded each other a lot. But he, he ended up uh, passing away from cancer, and it took 10 months as he went through this. It's, a, that's one of those, it's one of those things when I talk about some things you never know until you get on the other side. Don't understand it. Don't have a clue. He fully believed God was going to heal him, and, and I did too. But I don't understand. But I can tell you right now, there's one thing I told his sister this week, my wife, and I said, you know, we've said this many times. There's one thing we can know, even though we don't understand it. He'd never come back. Why, Lord, he, he laughed, thinking, there ain't no way I'd step back in that. Why? Because his eyes, it's not only his eyes, his whole life is on the eternal. But here's the thing I was going to tell you. I watched him because I would go uh, visit him, you know, uh, through all those 10 months. I would go visit him so many times a week or whatever, and, and toward the, the end, I know something changed. At first, we had all these deep conversations, and we talked about how much you cared about each other, and we talked about, you know, different health things and things we could do. And his pro All of a sudden, though, toward the end of this situation, I seen something change. His, his vision, his focus changed. No longer was he looking at this world. He was still in this world. But the things he said, the things that he was, he was continually watching, stuff like services online. He was praying and he was spending all of his time he was just he was it was like he was lost in another world I started watching that happening I thought that's the most amazing thing to me because it's he way before he ever went across the other side his eyes his life his heart had already changed focus he was already in the eternal He's already had his focus changed. We don't need to wait until the end for something like that. We need to have that in our everyday life. Like Paul's got here saying, folks, do you see the eternal? Have you heard testimonies of people that were passing on and they, were, they would say something in their last few moments like, oh, that's beautiful. Oh, look at that. Can you see that? Can you, what's happening? Their eyes are on the eternal. They realize this, this, this stuff doesn't matter anymore when you get your eyes, when your focus changes. And so we need to realize that if we have our eyes on the eternal, it changes our focus. We're no longer focused, in, and everything down here is not the most important thing. But what we lay up on and treasure on the other side. You know what else it changes? We see in the first couple of verses of chapter 5, it changes your desires. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle, he's talking about this body, were dissolved. He's talking about death. We have a building of God, a house not made with hands eternal in the heavens, verse 2. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. And verse 4 says, for we, are, uh, for we that are in this tabernacle do groan. He's talking about groaning again. He's talking about all his desires being burdened. Not for that we would be unclothed, talking about being uh, 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 that our spirit would pass into nothing or, or would not have a spiritual body. But it says, but clothed upon that mortality might be swallowed up in death. He's saying that my life, my focus, my desires have changed. That now that when I look at what I have now, uh, the, 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 and, and many of us can say in this earthly body that we have things that we, that we are not going to miss. 
you may have some, how many in here has some aches and pains on a regular basis? You ain't going to miss. How many here, you know, this, what are we worried about? You're worried about getting sick, right? We're worried about getting this virus. We won't have to worry about that anymore. And so we're not going to, and we get, you get tired. Don't you, don't you hate it when you get tired? I remember many years ago, it's like I, you couldn't, I didn't think I did know how to get tired. It was just like, man, I had so much energy and I was so hyper. And, uh, but now I, I get tired a little bit. I do. I get a little more tired and so forth. But he's, he's ta- and this is not talking about our, 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 uh, our heavenly house on the corner of uh, Hallelujah Avenue. This is not what it's talking about. It's talking about that new spiritual body. He's longing for that new spiritual body that's been promised to him. This new heavenly body that, and he, when he uses these words and he says this earthly house, most of the other translation, actually, this is what the word is, is very much uh, uh, interpreted into. It says this, for we know that if our tent, our earthly tent were dissolved, if, we, if this tent, now Paul understands that word very well. Paul's a tent maker, and he understands about making tents. Now, tents are temporary. Tents are for camping or for temporary. That's that's what the tabernacle was in for a long period of time. It was in a tent, and they could easily pick it up, move it somewhere else, and uh, and it was a, a great thing they could use, but it was never intended to be permanent. So many of us are living in this earthly tent, and we like to make it permanent, right? We, we, we think, well, we just, we just want to put our stakes down real deep, and we're pretty content where we are. But God gave us a tent because it was never supposed to be, this is not your destination. This is a temporary place, just as he did with Abraham, moving him through and telling him all the things he's going to do. But he realized, he got his eyes early and said, oh, he was looking for a city whose maker and builder was God. It wasn't things down here. He never got to experience all the, the blessings that uh, he would have liked to have seen here because he realized that, that he, what his promise is going to be seen is in glory. And so we see that it changes our desires and we need to realize that this house is temporary. You know what? We desire, uh, when we get our, uh, our vision on the eternal, we desire a body that we're going to see here that it's prepared. It's already prepared for you. Your spiritual House, your new body is already, it says here in verse one says, for we know that it, that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building we have. It's already prepared. We have a building of God. God has prepared for you and me a brand new body that is wondrous, that it's already available for you. And we will receive it one day. You and I are going to receive that glorified body. And so what a wonderful thing that it's already prepared. It also tells us that it's perfect. This body is not just prepared, it's perfect. We see in the rest of that verse, and it says, An house not made with hands. What's it talking about there? It's saying this body that you're going to receive is nothing that has been created down here. This is nothing that has been fabricated with human hands, which everything that men make is temporary. Everything that men make is frail. Everything that men make has an ending and an expiration date. 
But the, th the body you're going to receive was formed by the very hands of God. And it is eternal. Just like when He originally made Adam and Eve. He made them for eternity. And only sin separated that and changed that. He's going to give you a brand new glorified body. And it will be perfect. There won't be any chromosomes or any diabetes or any cancer or any breathing problems or any sickness or anything in the world. It's going to be a perfect body, a brand new body. It's already available and it's perfect and it's waiting for us. We're going to receive it if we hang on, if we trust him and we get ready for his appearing. You know, I was thinking about the analogy I used the other day. I, I love, I just, I don't know, I just love that thing about the butterfly. I'm not going to go through it again. But how that, that uh, caterpillar transforms into that beautiful butterfly, which can do what the butterfly, I mean, the caterpillar could have never done. And I was thinking about that caterpillar becoming a butterfly. And I was thinking, if we could have a conversation with butterflies, I doubt we could ever find one that would say, boy, I miss being a caterpillar, I just wish I had my hundred legs back or whatever many they had. I wish I could just crawl around and get on the ground and, and, and take it half an hour to go four inches. I just, I just wish I could go back. No, they would never do that. Why? Because when they get transformed, they can fly anywhere they want to do. They're beautiful and they're transformed and they have energy and they're just, and people just love looking at them and they're just, they just bring joy when you, to me they do, they're when you see them and it's just, oh, it's just, it's just spring and, and life. It's just a beautiful thing. And you look at where they came from to where they are and you're thinking that butterfly would say, why? No, I would, I'd, what do you mean caterpillar? I don't remember caterpillar. I just, this is the life I want to live. And so that's the way it's going to be when we receive that glorified bodies we're never going to look back we're never going to long for what we what we give up or the things that we've had the things that right now we cherish with all of our might because we're trying to hang on but we need to realize there's coming a day the greatest rewards you'll receive is a brand new body a brand new life and in, and the wonderful thing it's because it'll be in the presence of the lord himself we're going to be in the presence. We're not just going to come in a service and feel His presence sweep through or have a prayer service at home and you feel, you feel His presence sweep through. We're going to be continually in the presence of the Lord with this new body. Wow, what a wonderful thing. that he, No wonder He's desiring. No wonder His eyes are on the eternal because He realized. You know what else? The last thing that we can look at, and there's probably plenty more. Not only is that the body prepared for you, not only is it perfect, but you know what? It's permanent. It's permanent. It will never change. It never gets old. It will never end. It will never fail. It is permanent. You won't find. There's a lot of things down here that, you, you know, I was looking at Dad's deck yesterday, and if you put in Trex decking, I, I need to. I need to. I got a big old deck, and I can't. Man, I'm telling you, it's going to cost a fortune if I switch out. I need to. I need to, but I'm dreading it because it's going to break my back. And they'll try to act like, oh, that's permanent. Or you get a metal roof, and that's going to be a life of your house and so forth but you know what look at the fine print they don't really believe that <laughs> they really don't believe it's just going to last a long time is what the truth is it's going to last a long time but there's nothing down here not even that gold nothing that you have is permanent it'll all pass away but there's coming a moment when we step into glory and you receive your new glorified body it is permanent it will never perish. It will never pass away. And so we get our eyes on the eternal. It changes our focus. 
Because all of a sudden we see that's where the truth, that's where, that's where true life is, that's where eternity is, that's where we're going to spend all of eternity is in glory. And it changes our desires because all of a sudden we realize what's really important. You know what else it changes? It changes your purpose. If we realize and we truly understand what's really important, then all of a sudden we redirect the things that we're doing because, wait a minute, why am I spending all my, why am I spending 100% of my time on things that is never going to make it out of, this, out of this world? We need to invest in eternity. So it's going to change your purpose. Verse 5 says, now he that wrought, he formed, he created you or us for the same or self-same thing who did it? Who's the one created? Whose purpose is it? It's God. God's the one created you for that very purpose. Who also hath given us the earnest of the Spirit. We've talked about that before. That is a beautiful word. That is a powerful word. And any of you all that got married probably can understand this best because that word's translated a couple different ways. The number one thing that that word earnest is talking about is symbolic of an engagement ring. An engagement ring is when someone finally gets the nerve up and they make the good sense to ask their wife to marry them and they come up to them and they're nervous and they've planned it out and they're shaking because they're afraid she's going to say no and they get on their knee or however you do it and you ask her to marry you. You're not, are you marrying her that day? No. Are you wanting there to be an opportunity for someone else to get in the picture? No. So what do you do? Most of the time, most of the time, a lot of the time, hopefully, you give her something to, to, to give her a promise, and she gives a promise back to you. You give a ring. And this word is talking about like an engagement ring that says, you're mine, and I'm yours, and this is the proof. I'm giving you this, and you set a date, and you say, that day, we're going to consummate. That's the day that we will become officially man and wife. But until then, you're already mine. And this tells anybody who sees it that you're mine. Nobody else. Everybody else's hands off. You're mine, and I'm yours, and this is the promise. And so every time you get lonely, every time you forget about you think that, it, oh, it's taking a long time to get there, you look down at that ring, and you think, oh, but it's coming soon. This is a promise that that day is coming. It's worth it. It's worth everything I'm enduring. It's worth the wait because there's coming a day when that groom is going to come and take me back to him, with him to his eternal home forever. And so that's an earnest. Another thing that it's talking about, it's also the same word that's used for a down payment. It's a, how many of you you put something in layaway? You, you, and I, don't think, I think they still do it. I, I do believe they still do it. But they, but you can go. I remember when, especially now. Listen, you, some of you all doing pretty good now. You don't have to worry about layaway. You just get on Amazon, order it as you need it. But I remember when I was a young married person, I didn't have fifty cents. It seemed like, and so it, when it come Christmas time, and you want your kids to have this stuff, right? We want our kids to have all those little toys they've been watching on cartoons, and well, that's what it used to be on Saturdays. I, we didn't have the internet, and I cartoons. They'd be all these toy commercials, and then toward the end of the year, they'd be that Sears magazine or catalog that come and it had a maybe even a separate book toys it was a whole big section of a whole book and I'm telling you what we wore that thing out I wanted all these different toys and my brother wanted his toys and you want to give them the toys even though you know it's a waste of money <laughs> you know it is so you so I remember there was times when I was a young married uh, husband uh, that I was trying to be good to my kids but I didn't have the money 
And so I, we would go and put stuff in layaway. And every week we'd have to make those payments. And, and, and so every week you get a receipt. And, and, and they're, they're held. They're in the back room. You just don't get to get them yet until you pay them off. I remember my wife's ring. Let me tell you, I did the same thing with her. And I was trying to think, and somebody in this room may tell me it was you, and I can't remember who it was. Somebody in the family helped me pick out a diamond ring for my wife at that time when we were young. And so I remember I was trying to pick out. I didn't have a clue what I was doing. And somebody, one of my cousins, come to London and met me and helped me pick it. Has anybody in this room part of did that? It was one of my cousins, one of my lady cousins come and helped me and did a good job, did a real good job and helped me pick out one that was really nice. And I gave, and I remember it was way more money than I had. And I put down that down payment. I put down that earnest to say, that's mine. That's going to be mine. And I was so excited. I couldn't wait to give it to her. Couldn't wait for her to see it. And, uh, but it was a lot of money. So every week I'd slip by there and I'd pay them some more money. And every once in a while I'd say, could you just pull it out and let me see it? <laughs> let me see what I'm spending all this money on. Let me just look at it again. And I'd say, oh, yeah, she's going to like that. She's going to like that. And I remember there finally came a day when I brought the last payment. And I signed the deal. And they gave me a receipt. And they handed me what I've been waiting on. It's now mine. There's coming a day that the Lord, that trumpet's going to blow. And it's not going to be no longer just an earnest. It's talking about the Holy Spirit that God places in us when we get saved. He puts a down deposit. He puts his spirit in us and says, hey, this is just a little piece of what you're going to get. Do you feel me? And I'm stirring and I'm speaking and I'm moving. And you're getting, you're getting connected to me and you're hearing from me. But there's coming a day when you're going to be face to face with me. No longer is it going to be a witness in your heart. But it's going to be face to face. We're going to be together forever. And so it's the same exact picture that God gives us. He gives us an earnest. Of his spirit within us. Second Corinthians chapter 1 verse 22 talks about it. It says who also uh, who hath also sealed us and give us the earnest of the spirit in our hearts. Your mind is what he's saying. Your mind. I've sealed you. You're my child and I've put my hand upon you and my spirit within you. I'm coming again. So we see here that if we get our eyes on the eternal, it changes your focus, it changes your desires, it changes your purpose. You know what else it does? It changes your confidence. What your confidence is in when we get our eyes on the eternal. No longer is it on things down here. There's a whole lot of people that's, that seen real quickly and not in the not too distant past that things down here change. Hey, there's a lot of people over in the last several years that they, they had confidence they was going to get to retire. And boy, they maybe can't now. Things have changed. All of a sudden, our confidence is in things down here. But when we get our confidence up there, it doesn't change. It just gets better and better. We see in verse 6, 7, and 8, it says, Therefore, we are always confident knowing that whilst we are at home, talking about in this body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We, we, don't, we can't as Christians walk by things we can see, but we have to trust through that Spirit to speak to us what we can't see. And we realize that while we're here, that we're absent from Him, but that Spirit keeps saying to you, but there's coming a day, but there's, I'm coming soon. You need to be ready. He speaks to us. And verse 8 says, again, that talking about confidence, we are confident, I say, and willing, rather, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. 
Now, many of us say, whoa, wait a minute, not me. I'm good where I'm at. Let me stand. And I'm not saying we should sit there and be saying, Lord, take me today and all this stuff. But I'm saying our God can put his presence in us so strongly that we have our heart become so, so enamored with the things of God that all of a sudden our priorities is in heaven. And we start realizing, God, I want to please you. God, I want to do what you want me to do. God, I want my focus to be on heavenly things. And our priorities start to change. All of a sudden, the things of heaven are more important than they are. And the things of heaven become more important than things down here. Because there will not be one person who stands on the other side who looks back and says, Boy, I wish I'd put more in my 401k. Not one more person said, Boy, I wish I'd went on one more fishing trip. No, they would, will be saying, Lord, I wish I would have done more for you. It changes our confidence because it's not in things here but we put our confidence in things above. Number five, it changes your priorities. All of a sudden, the things that's important to you change because our focus changes. I tell you, I, the period I talked to you about for a couple years ago, I went through a period, and I'm telling you something right now. When you go through things, it changes your priorities. <laughs> you don't care about the same things anymore because you need God's help, and all of a sudden, you are just overwhelmed with wanting God to move and have your life and do what he wants to do. Verse 9 tells us about that. It says, wherefore, because of this stuff, because our focus needs to be on things in eternity, wherefore, because of this, we labor that whether present in this body or absent as we move into this heavenly body, we may be accepted of him. That becomes your number one priority. That when you step out of this life, whether you are here or whether you step into eternity, your desire should be, do I please God? Is the things I'm saying please God? Does the life I'm living please God? Is the things I'm doing pleasing God? Is the activities I'm involved in pleasing God? When we have our eyes on the eternal, our priorities change from temporal to eternal. And he wants to do that in our life. Matthew 16, 25 says, For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But it goes on. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. Isn't that such a controversy of what this culture that you live in says? This culture says, live for now, live for you, get all you can get, accomplish all you can, and the person that dies with the most wins. But that's not the case. Not one person who stepped from this life into the next life can, will testify and say, that is the truth. No, they will say, that is the farthest thing from the truth. And what he's saying here is that whatever you, if you cherish things more than me, you're going to lose them. But when you say, God, everything I have is yours, you gain life. He rewards you. He blesses you. It's when you give. It's the person that's able to give. Why is finance is such a problem? Why does it say, why does that scripture say that it is hard for a rich man to enter into heaven? Just because of this verse. They're doing this. It's mine. 
What did that man, that parable of the man with the barn and, and, and plenteous and his barns were running over, what was he doing? You see the word me, my, it's about 14 times mine, mine. I'm going to tear down my barns. I'm going to fill it with my, new barns with my stuff. I'm going to say to myself, it's my, 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 my. And, we, and what happened to him? He says, thou fool, this night thy soul will be required of thee. He's saying it's not yours. Everything you have is mine. And when you cherish something more than you do me, you're going to lose it. But when you say, God, everything I have is from you. Every good thing I have is from you. And Lord, it's yours. You do whatever you want to. God says, now there's somebody I can use. There's somebody I can bless. There's someone I'm going to use to use in my kingdom because they have the right perspective. They have realized that their priorities have changed and they have put me first. I was thinking about how, how we can uh, over... Uh, I was thinking about on this topic of our priorities changing and, and kind of going above and beyond. I thought of my daughter when she was she's a I've always been this way I always whatever I, I if I have a goal I love to meet the goal I love to go and go beyond the goal so I just I don't know I'm a competitive guy and so but now so it passed no doubt into my daughter because as a kindergartner there she went to a private school and that and man it was, she had an awesome teacher I'm telling you what she had an awesome teacher in kindergarten that was such a uh, a treasure uh, and she is, doesn't teach anymore. Her name was Sandra Sherwood or Sandra Chase uh, later. And so she was, uh, she, I'd never seen a lady that was older and had so much energy. She was, you would just go to the first day of class and she would give an orientation and tell you what all that they're going to do and give you their schedule. And she gave me their schedule and just her talking wore me out. It was like, I can't believe you can get all this in one day. I mean, it was 30 minutes we're doing this and she was excited and then we switched to this and then the next 30 minutes we're going to do this and then we're going to encourage them to do this. And it was like, how do you get that all in one day? I mean, all this, these are little bitty kids. Their minds are, how are you going to, and she knew, she had wisdom. They only have a limited amount of time their mind can do something and she kept moving them and one of the things that she talked about was she was going to have a hundred club book club and she encouraged the students she wanted to get them to read early and to teach them to read early and and, and what impact it could have on their life and she wanted to encourage not big books it could be big books but she wanted to encourage these new readers that and they learned in, the, in, in that school in kindergarten to read and so before that year was up they was going to teach them to read and then they was going to push them to read 100 books 100 books by the end of the, end of the school year. And if you did, you get extra privileges each week that you get to do if you met your goal. And at the end of the year, you get a prize at the end in front of everybody if you accomplish that 100 goal club. Well, Megan took off like crazy. She just, I'm telling you, she was reading. I, every night was funny. It wore me out because every night we have, I don't know, we have way too many books. I have thousands of books. But we had a whole section of kids' books, and it's, well, it was such a blessing because every night when I'd come to her bedroom, I would find her with a stack of books in that bed, and she would read, and she got to where she could read so fast, and she would finish that book and lay it down, and she'd get the next book. And each week, one time a week, she'd have me to top up her list of books. And I'm like, honey, you've read all those books? It was like it'd take me 45 minutes to put. You know what? At the end of the year, what she she didn't just meet the minimum standard. Her priorities in life would change. Hey, she, she did, I didn't find her watching television or, or going out and running. She probably needed to go out and run around a little more. But she was spending so much time reading. At the end of the year, she got a special reward, award. And, and even Sister Sherwood was really amazed because this new reader, at the end of the year, didn't just read 100 books. 
She read 600 books. 600 and like four books in that period. Learned to read and read 600. It was an amount. Listen, it totally transformed. I've never seen. It seemed like uh, just her intellect. Everything was changed. Why? Because her focus, her priorities, her, her whole life had switched. Why? She was trying to meet the goal. She wanted to go above and beyond to meet that goal. That should not be our life. God, I want to give you everything. Lord, I don't, want, I don't want to find out what little I can do to get into heaven. I want to know what all I can do. What can I do, Lord? What can you do in me next? And so it will change your priorities if you let it. And so finally... We see that when we have an eternal focus, it, I mean, an eternal uh, view on, on, on the things eternal, it changes your focus, it changes your desires, it changes your purpose, it changes your confidence, it changes your priorities. You know what else? It will change your eternity. Let me tell you what it does. Uh, it, it actually impacts your eternity. This verse was honestly the verse that I felt like I really, this is what come to my mind when I was working on what should I preach, and this is the one that came, and so this is important, and it's very important because we're all going to do this. Verse 10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Wait a minute. I thought we already made it. We, we have. This is, talk, this is not talking about the great white throne judgment. This is, this is talking about the judgment seat of Christ. That the Christians will everyone stand. We've made it. But we're still going to stand before him. And what's going to happen? It says that everyone may receive the things done in his body. His or her. According to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. We still have to answer before God for what we did or even didn't do. Has God ever told you like he has me do something and you hesitate, you don't do it? Or if he asks you something and you struggle with that, you don't want to comply, you don't want to give up that much, you don't want to do that because it's going to cost you something. I'm telling you what, there's times in my past, and the Lord usually gets it, <laughs> gets it through eventually, but I'm telling you what, I wish, there's many things I wish I could go back and say, Lord, if I could go back, I'd have done that first time you said it. Just like that time when I was praying. Lord, I was praying for my wife. Look at you watch. It took me three times. Look at you watch. Lord, they're going to think I'm carnal. Look at you watch. Third time. Look at your watch. <laughs> and I looked to see what time I was getting prayed for. And then I realized that God had a purpose for that. God healed her at that very moment, just the moment that I was looking at my watch. And that's, that's something that's odd. You'll probably never see that again. But God speaks to us and he wants us to obey. But there's going to come a moment that me and you, We'll stand before him. And we're all going to be standing before this wondrous, glorious Savior that paid everything for you and me. He gave us all. When we look at him compared to ourselves, we're going to look at someone who sacrificed his all for you. And the only thing that's going to be going through our mind is did I sacrifice anything for you? Did I do anything? Or did I just live more for myself? We see this, that those who have laid up heavenly treasure is going to be rewarded. It says in Matthew 25, verse 21, and it says, this is that parable, and it says, His Lord said unto him with the three servants, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. And what was his, what was his response? I will make thee ruler over many things. 
Enter thou into the joy of the Lord, of thy Lord. And so we see that there is going to be rewards for those who have laid up treasure, who have given their all, who have sowed to the eternal and not just to the temporary. You know what else we see? We see that those who have laid up heavenly treasure, it will remain. You will not lose. You will achieve reward. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 10 through 15. This is also Paul talking about this. And we're about done. But it says in verse 10, According to the grace of God which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation... And another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the foundation that our lives are built upon when we give our heart and life. He gives us the foundation. Now what will you do with it? It says in verse 12, Now if any man build upon this foundation, what is your treasure? If he build upon it gold... Silver, precious stones, but then there's also wood, hay, and stubble. These are the things that we're laying up in eternity. Things that are, that are precious and things that are not. And it goes on and says in verse 13, Every man's work shall be made manifest, going to be revealed. That, that tires me up a little bit. I don't want everything I've ever did to be revealed. But it says that every man's work is going to be made manifest. It's going to be revealed. For the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire. By fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Verse 14, if any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. We're going to read verse 15 in just a second. But it's saying here that everything, everything you've laid up in the eternal is there. And it's going to be there when you go into eternity. And there is going to be things that, is, that we've sowed that is going to be eternal. And it's going to be gold. It's going to be silver. It's going to be precious stones. But there's a lot of times we find in ourselves wasting our time on things that doesn't amount to anything. We may do it in the name of God, but we don't do anything that really accomplishes what God's called us to do. And it's going to be like wood, hay, and stubble. And when fire hits hay, wood, and stubble, what happens? Burn up. It's gone. It perishes. It will never last. What happens when fire hits gold? It becomes even more pure. And so we see that that is what is going to happen. We're going to stand before God. And we're going to answer. Did we do what he told us to do? Did we hear what he told us to do? And did we, what have we accomplished? And before us, can you imagine, imagine you're standing in the presence of God and everything you've done is at your feet. So everybody can see. And you look over and you see somebody else and they have this massive pile. You can't, you can't see them over it. They've got so much. And then you look down and hopefully to God we don't look down and we just see a few crumbs on the ground. And that's all we've got. And, and there's been, I was thinking about giving offerings. Have you ever been, you know, you give an offering sometime and I don't mean here. I'm sorry, there's been times I gave offering and all I had was a dollar and I wanted to fold it so it looked like more because that's all I had to give. And so we wanted it little to look much, right? 
I mean, I'm just being straight up. So there's been times I've had to do that because I was like, Lord, it's embarrassing. I got a dollar to give and I need to give more because I forgot my money or something like that. So I've tried to make it look more. I would just imagine standing there in eternity. There's going to be a lot of people. And I pray it's not any of us that stand there and are going to want their pile to look a whole lot more. But then there's going to come the testing. It comes your time. And it's going to, then the fire is going to test it. And all that's going to be left is what you did for Christ. That's all that's going to be left. So that big pile that we thought we had can become nothing because we sowed to the flesh. Verse 15 tells us, though, if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Everything that we have could be lost. I've told you this story, this dream, this man had before, but it's so perfect for this, I'm going to tell it again. I was remember a preacher that was preaching, and he was talking about a dream. And he said the dream, I don't know if it was him or someone else that it came to, he was dreaming that he was standing in this exact situation. He was standing before God, and he was, uh, and every deed, everything, all the people in front of him, there was all these piles of things that they had done. And as the Lord walked down the street, they were lined up down both sides of the street, and here come the King of Kings. Here come the Lord Himself. And as He walked down the street, every person's life faced fire as He walked past. And everything that was left would be gold. It would turn into a gold crown. And they were different sizes. In fact, some people had done so much they had multiple crowns in his dream. They had three crowns. And they were huge crowns. They were beautiful crowns with ornate uh, diamonds and, 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 and stones on them. And, when, and every one of them, as they passed and they would just burn up and crowns were left, he said he would see the people pick up the crowns. And they didn't even mean all that mattered to them was that because they were in a presence of the Lord. They just started throwing the crown before the Lord and said, I love you so much, Lord. I, I give you my crown. I, I, I surrender my crown. And their love was giving what they had done for him as an offering as he came by. And he was already nervous because he'd seen how small his pile was anyway. And it kept coming closer and closer. And he was just dreading, thinking, my goodness, what is going to happen? And he said, finally, he came close to where he was. And all of a sudden, fire. And when he looked down, he seen what was left. And he picked it up. And in his dream, he said it was such a small crown, it would barely fit over the smallest finger. And he said he was so ashamed. Yeah, he had a crown. But when Jesus came by and looked at him, he said, Lord, this is how much I loved you. And he hands him the little thimble. And he was grieved. Because he realized he wished he had so much more to offer. And then he woke up. I'm sure his life was changed from that moment forward. In our lives, I and you need to realize that's going to be the truth. We are all going to really stand before him. And the only thing, we've made it. We've made it and we've come and we're now that we see the king. But how much more awesome will it be if we have something to lay at His feet? If we are able to say, Lord, thank you. Lord, that I didn't do anything. Lord, the things that I was able to accomplish for you was nothing with me. It was through your Spirit that you put in with me. But Lord, thank you that I was able to sow. And Lord, that's what I give you. It's, I, it doesn't mean anything, Lord. It's just a surrender to you. I want to show you how much I love you. But there will be so many 
that we just barely make it. And there's nothing to offer. And that's not the way that Paul is telling us here. And the Spirit says to us, there is coming a day and it's going to be very soon. And what will you have to offer him? Giving your life to him is the first thing. That's the most important thing. But then, where is your eyes? Are you looking on the eternal? Are you still worried about everything here? Hey, our attention needs to change. And he wants to move, doesn't he? This morning, if you could stand and let's pray and ask the Lord to move this morning, to speak this morning. Holy Spirit, God, I pray that you deal with our hearts. God, you start with the preacher. And God, through every pew, even those that are watching, God, that you don't let us just keep going on as normal. God, thinking that everything's going to be fine, that we're going to be just fine because we've given our heart to you. But God, let us get our eyes on things eternal, things that are going to last, things that are actually making a difference through eternity. Because that is your goal. It's, you said that that is what you created us for, is for that eternal life. And God, this is just a short, temporary time that we travel in this tent that you've given us we're limited we lord we have just a limited time we have limited strength we have limited resources but god we can sow much to the heavenly that is never going to end and god i pray that you change our perspective and our focus and our desires and our priorities everything in our life god that you move this morning, deal with our hearts, Lord. Don't let us quieten that spirit that speaks to us, deals with us. But God, that we would be changed. God, that we would want to be changed. That God, that as Paul said, that Lord, we would groan, God, to someday look you in the face. That we would groan, Lord, to be, Lord, in that power, Lord, to experience that new life, God. Lord, we would one day that we would desire it so much that it would seem, Lord, like we grieve in this life to be in that eternal life. And God, that, Lord, we would accomplish what you want us to do even now. God, open our eyes. Let us know you're speaking. Let us know that you're working. Let us know, God, what you're trying to do. And God, so many times we just walk by. We miss it. We're too busy. But God, one day that's not going to matter. It's going to matter what we've done for you. God, you speak. You move in Jesus' name. This morning, keep your head bowed for just a moment. And I just want to ask you in this house this morning, is the Lord speaking to you? Is the Lord saying to you, no one's looking but me. And you're willing to say this morning, the Lord's dealing with my heart that I need my eyes to be more on the eternal than on the things that are temporal. I see that. And you want to just raise your hand and you can put it right back down and say, pray for me. I want my eyes to be on the eternal. I want there to be rewards. I, yes, I see that. I want there to be eternal rewards. I want God to be blessed. I want God to be happy. I want joy to overflow. When he says, enter in, thou good and faithful servant. Oh, let your joy overflow this morning. Is anyone this morning else say, pray for me. I want my eyes to be redirected on the things of God. 
Hallelujah. I see that. I see that. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. The rest of you, I assume, is just exactly where you need to be. Let's pray this morning. Let's, let's just lift our hands this morning. And let's ask God that He would have His way. And that He would move. And if you don't know Him, all you got to do is just call out on Him. And, and just surrender to Him. And let Him have everything. And you can be on the right path. Lord, I pray that, Lord, You would have Your way, God. That You would deal with Your mighty power. Lord, that You would deal with Your mighty Spirit. God, that we would get our eyes, Lord, upon the eternal, Lord, that we would get our eyes, Lord, on something that's going to last, that, Lord, you would be able to deal with our hearts, God, that, Lord, that we would have something to offer you, that we would have something eternal, Lord, and God, Lord, that we would give you pleasure, Lord, that everything we thought and did and said, Lord, that our whole lives, God, would be to bring a smile to your face, Almighty God, that, Lord, you would have your way, deal with our hearts. God, change our eyes that we can see, Lord, the way you want us to. And God, that our affections would be on you. And that God, that this spirit that you put within us, God, would cause us, Lord, to desire you even more. Holy God, that you would have your way, oh God. Thank you, Lord. Have your way, Lord, in this place. And God, speak. God, move, God. And Lord, if there's things that's God that's going to burn up, that God, that you would give us, Lord, your prod of your spirit, that Lord, we'd lay them down. God, they're not accomplishing anything. But Lord, only the things that we do for Christ, oh Lord, will last, almighty God. Let us be a light as Paul was a light. Let us be a light to this world that all of a sudden that they see that our eyes are not here, but our eyes are on you. Almighty God, that's when you can use us the most. Oh God, we thank you for that. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, we can stand that day with joy overflowing. We can stand there that day with our confidence that's been in God and we can be, have joy overflowing. Why? Because we were faithful to the things that God gave us. You can't do it in yourself. You have no strength to do it in yourself. It's only when we give everything to Him and say, Lord, here it is, my whole life, it's yours. That's the way that we can accomplish it. It's not what you do. It's how that Spirit works through you. Amen? Amen. Let's, as we dismiss this morning, let's just all lift our hands this morning and let's thank the Lord, all that He loves us and that He's working and speaking and He wants what He's going to do this week in our lives. God, here we are. We're thankful, Lord, that we feel Your presence. We thank You, Lord, for these wonderful people. And God, I thank You, Lord, for what You're doing, how You're speaking. And Lord, Lord, how You're stirring. And God, that Lord, You have good and mighty things You want to do. Lord, those that the enemy says, well, I can't do anything. Lord, You say, no, that's not true. Oh, I got great and mighty things I want to do. If you'll just get your affection, your attention upon me. Thank you, Lord. Go with us this week. Almighty God, let us fill your spirit and strength like never before. And God, that our eyes be on a different place than we've ever had them before. In Jesus' name we pray. We thank you for it. Amen. Amen.